This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Well, he started the fight when he hit me back. Welcome back to the program and uh, Wednesdays, MVSW time, MVSW Redux. Alongside Greg Wyshynski from ESPN, he started it when he hit me back. I'm just trying to think like logical um, equivalence here of what we just heard from Jamie Ben about see the uh, the cross check or the landing spot or the landing point um, on Mark Stone last night. Greg Wyshynski and a hearing later today with Ben and Peros. Greg Wyshynski. Yeah, I was in the room for all this fun just uh, a scant like 15 minutes ago. <laughs> and uh, it was interesting to hear Jamie take responsibility for his body and for his stick, mm-hmm. as he probably should be mm-hmm. very responsible for having done this same thing to Dylan Larkin a few years ago. And then and then it took a turn, Jeffrey. It took a turn. It took a turn when yeah. all of a sudden Jamie Ben said... <laughs> I would have, obviously, I would have liked to not fall on him and I guess use my stick as the landing point. And let me tell you right now uh, that my text messages went aflame with people from around the league, uh, inside of teams, outside of teams, inside the league, outside the league, being like, oh my God, what did he just say? Yada, yada, yada. So if that's the defense for Jamie Benn in this hearing, Maybe it'll be more than a game. Yeah. Maybe they'll just give him an extra game for the utter ridiculousness of I fell on him and used my stick as a landing point. You know, I was trying to make the point off the top of the show today, and maybe this just backs it up, that you know the reason why Jamie Ben didn't speak after the game yesterday was even though it hadn't been announced by then, you probably had a good idea that there was going to be a hearing at some point today. Uh, about the cross-check to Mark Stone, and only bad could come of it if they put Jamie Benn in front of a microphone because this would be the line of questioning. So they just seem to say, all right, you know what? Best thing to do here is say nothing and just go away for the night and maybe sleep on it and think about it, and we'll regroup in the morning. Because after hearing this one, I got to think to myself that that must have been the strategy last night. Because this morning really didn't do Jamie Benn or the Stars any favors. But this is the thing I don't understand. And I'm not trying to throw the Dallas Stars communications department under the bus here. Like, I think they do a very good job. And maybe this comes from even above Mm -hmm. them, from Jim Nill or Brad Alberts or anybody in this organization. But, like, if you're not going to have him speak last night, why have him speak today? You have the cover of him having a hearing on the docket already for later today. Uh, I have covered many a suspended player. Uh, some of them not named Tom Wilson. And frequently, what happens is, is that if they have a hearing, <laughs> they have an out. Yeah. They don't have to talk to the media if they have a hearing. I can't talk about and it. And so yeah. the idea that they didn't have him speak last night, um, or, or, or he declined to, I'm guessing, was probably the thing, and then had him speak today. Like, I know there's pressure on him to, to talk because he kind of, like, left it to his teammates last night. And they all did an admirable job of defending something that's indefensible. But why have him speak today? Why not just have him speak after the aftermath of this thing when we know how it shakes out? Because now it just sounds like it just sounds foolish. Like it yeah. sounds like a joke. I mean, now, now the entire hockey world That's is not only talking one. about how a team captain let his team down less than two minutes into a must-win game, but now they're talking about how he's a buffoon. It was not his finest hour. Nope. Not even, uh, not even close, and I think safe to say that he's gonna. You know, he will most likely not play in Game Four. 
Most likely, and maybe even longer. So let me let me pause on that for a second, because I, I tweeted something this morning that I've come to understand is, is not completely accurate. I, I, I feel very much like Elliot right now. Not to say that Elliot gets stuff done, but I feel like on, on, when, when, when he's talking to you sometimes, it's like, I've got to revise this on the air. So let me revise this on the air. <laughs> um, okay. So, like, I said that sometimes player safety, <laughs> if a guy gets ejected early in a game... We'll take that into account when giving out a suspension. Now, you and I both remember that being the case. I think I misremember that mm -hmm. as being something pre-player safety, that that was definitely a hallmark of the Colin Campbell years and and maybe not necessarily of the player and safety. And the Brian Burke years. So, and the, 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 yeah. the, Brian, the Brian Burke years for sure as well. Yeah. So, so may, may I call upon that? I've been covering this dumb league for way too long and, and the years start blending together. But they don't, they don't if, if they do it, it's subconscious... And it's not necessarily from a lot of the people in player safety, but as a, as a standard or a hallmark of what they do for suspensions, they're not going to take into account that Jamie Ben left less than two minutes into the first period. And, and then it's like time served. They're not going to do that. That being said, I think he just gets a game and I think he just gets a game because we've already seen intent to injure, no injury game suspension for Alex Petrangelo, this, this playoff. Andre, uh, Andre Sell. That, see that that that's where I'm, that's where I'm leaning on this one, that Mark Stone stayed in the game. Yeah, Mark Stone played the remainder of the game. Mark Stone was there for Max Domi to slash him, so Max Domi <laughs> yeah. can get dinged for five thousand dollars. Like one player is going to be responsible for a suspension and a fine uh, for two different players on the Dallas Stars here. Ma and by the way, Merrick, Merrick, by the way, it, it, how, it, yes. how 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 yeah. hold on, how yeah. dare you? not acknowledge that $5,000 is, in fact, the maximum allowable under the collective bargaining agreement. This is very important. They threw the book it at him. Is. <laughs> and I don't think that is going to change anytime soon. No. Um, what did you make of last night? What did you make of last night? It was a single, one of the single most embarrassing efforts I've ever seen from a team in the playoffs. I got to be honest with you. Like, they, they were so convinced after game two that they had played well enough to build on it. Like they were going to come back here in game three, build on what they did in the first two periods of game two, learn from their mistakes at the end of mm -hmm. game two, where they allowed, they couldn't get that extra goal because they hung back uh, a little too much. And then no. they obviously let, you know, allow, allowed Eichel to make another great pass for uh, another significant goal for Vegas. So I think they came into this game convinced that they were going to be able to build on that. And then they came out uh, not only like, not good, but but like they were flat. They made mistakes. They gave up the early goal. Ben loses his mind. They actually played pretty good on the on the kill. I, th I think Pete DeBoer was right last night that they played pretty good on the kill. But then, yeah. then Ottinger falls apart, and, and and now it's like one of those things where it's like, how do you possibly look up at at, at daylight from the abyss that you're in, where in a must win game you lay an absolute egg. Uh, and one of the most, and two of the most dependable players for you, your captain and your goaltender, have both flaked in in a, in a must-win game. Like Ben through his actions, and Ottinger, I don't know, either through exhaustion yeah. or 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 mental exhaustion. I I was talking to some people last night here at the Rink Merrick, and, and half the people believe that Pete DeBoer is guilty of overworking this guy, which I think is is true. He's played 33 games since March 1st, um, but I also think that there's a mindset here in Dallas that like the pressure of having to be the guy who played in game seven against Calgary 
um, and be that good mm. at all times in the playoffs has weighed on him. And he's not been good. Like he wasn't by his own admission, he wasn't good against the Kraken. I thought he'd come into the series and, and have a banger. He's had one one really good period, and that's it. Yeah, you know that 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 is an interesting one too because we're in an era right now where. I think we're waiting for the first team that's really going to go platoon with their goaltenders in the playoffs. Teams make noise about it, and then they never do. Um, interesting in that, you know, the the Dallas Stars were actually, you know, back in the Kari Lettinen days, like, and with those Lettinen, Kari Lettinen, and I think it was Antti Niemi, was the tandem. Um, and their logic was, look, we need these guys to split the games because we have the worst travel in the NHL. And mm-hmm. the wear and tear on the bodies and the goaltending position, like of all of any team in the NHL, we need to split the games with our netminders. And I understood that. I think we all did. And it made a lot of sense. Now you have someone like Jake Ottinger. And it's funny, you know, like, like five minutes ago, they had, you know, four, four goaltenders to choose from. It was Bishop, yeah. and I'll, I, I'll be. I, I understand the injury. It was Bishop? Was Hudobin? It was Holtby. It was this kid Ottinger, and now all of a sudden, they have Ottinger and a lot of games, and they've turned to Wedgwood probably more times than they've wanted. But I just wonder if we're at the time, at the point right now, where you look at Ottinger and you mentioned the games since March. You know, have a look at you know the games this season, sixty-two games, like mm-hmm. uh, understanding what we understand now about things like load management and, and, and helping to recuperate bodies, et cetera. Are we at the point now, given how the game is played, and specifically the net mining position, where it's not just the games, but in practice, up and down and up and down and up and down, taxing on the knees, taxing on the hips, all of it, that the sane decision is 62 is too much. Like you need to get into the 50s, probably low 50s with your goaltenders. Keep in mind, part of this is that Wedgwood was hurt and like they couldn't even depend on him yeah. at, at times. You know, yeah. the other Matt Murray got three games for them. He started three games for them uh, this season. Other Matt Murray. I, it's interesting you should yeah. bring this. It should, interesting you should bring this up because I actually spoke with Bruce Cassidy about this yesterday. I said to him, I said, look, you know, the never ending debate about what you want from goaltenders in the playoffs rages on. You, you look at Florida, they're paying Bob 10 million, he's their MVP. You look at, you know, yeah. Dallas, they're running Ottinger into the ground. You look at you guys in, in Vegas, you've had like four different goalies this season, and, and now you're riding the Aiden Hill train. <laughs> and, and like, isn't that interesting? And I said, and when you were in Boston, you had Tuka Rask. And to your point, he said this. He said, the biggest difference between having one of those workhorse franchise goalie dudes and, and kind of doing it by committee or doing it by platoon besides obviously in in some cases a, a talent disparity is that you have to budget the games for your starter and and he mentioned Rask in particular like when they would get towards the playoffs where they knew they were going to be in now all of a sudden it's like what should his workload look like heading into the playoffs and that might be specific to Tuka yeah. it may not be but but I found that to be really interesting in the sense of like maybe that's something that teams don't take into account when when enough when they have a guy like Ottinger mm. or they got a guy like Hellebuck or something like that. And I know like these guys love to play, but sometimes you just got to say, no, like we need you for this long playoff run. And, and you look at the way that Ottinger is kind of falling apart here in the series. And you say to yourself, what would have happened if he played, you know, seven or eight fewer games in the regular season? 
Hmm. Let, let's. Um. It, it's interesting you mentioned a conversation with um, with Bruce Cassidy, and let's, let's dovetail that to a, uh, to a talk about the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, don't look now, but as much as Sergei Bobrovsky, if the Panthers win, he's your Conn Smythe Trophy winner. Um. But if Vegas goes all the way here, uh, it's going to be pretty tough not to give checks notes Jack Eichel the Conn Smythe Trophy. Now, I can't think of any ex-Buffalo Sabres who went on to win the Stanley Cup and then Conn Smythe Trophy. No, it's not coming to me. I don't think it's ever happened before a Greg, Greg Wyshynski, <laughs> so we'll just move on. Uh, but we're there right now, aren't we? Like, he's been phenomenal for Vegas. He has. And, and so the way Aiden Hill is going... Okay, and he's been really good. Like lost in that game last night was some of the stuff that he was able to do, and he got some help from the posts here and there. But he played really well. Well, then you've got a goalie, and then if you have a goalie, the rest of the DNA of this team fits the template of what I've always considered to be the necessities for winning a championship, which is that they've got a, a, a number one center in Eichel, and he's been brilliant. Yeah, they've got Carlson, yep. who's been a particularly fantastic number two guy. Um, in both Shut ends of the down. ice. Shutting down. Just absolutely shutting, shutting down, down guy. elite yeah. players. So good. And then you've got two defensemen in Petrangelo and, and Theodore that can do what McDonough and Hedman do for you, right? And now you got a goalie. So, mm-hmm. so slowly but surely, the DNA of this, of this Vegas team has come together to give them the championship template. And they're playing like mm-hmm. it right now. Again, I, I don't want to take anything away from them. I truly do believe that this lead that they have in the series is much more about what Dallas hasn't done than what they've done uh, versus what I think in the other conference, it's definitely more about what the Panthers have done than what the Hurricanes haven't done. Um, but that being said, I mean, you got to give Vegas credit at some point for, I mean, Winnipeg's whatever, but like like beating Edmonton the way that they did and and playing the way that they have yep. against Dallas and winning those games on at home. And more importantly, maybe most importantly, not losing their damn minds last night. Their captain got assaulted. Two minutes into game three. Yeah. And and their mindset from the moment it happened was not retribution, and maybe it's because Stone was was okay. It was make them pay in the next five minutes, and they did. And and that was the game, basically. You know what? You, you know where I believe that came from? Mark Stone. Much yeah. like you look at 2007 when Daniel Alfredson fired the puck at Scott Niedermeyer, and the Ducks all went into the dressing room, and Niedermeyer said, guys, we got him right where we want him. Don't do anything to Alfredson. Don't do right. anything right. to Alfredson. Right. I'm guessing right. the whole thing came from Stone. Now, the one of the interesting things about about this series is, and it's a it's sort of side note, but let's just go walk down a path, you and me. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights, like I'm convinced, I shouldn't say convinced, I strongly believe that Teddy Bluger is on this team because Radic Fax is not. Mm. And the Vegas Golden Knights have you know, I've I've been led to believe have have coveted Radic Faxa, really good two-way player, and does certainly fit the way the Vegas Golden Knights play. Like if you look at the Dallas Stars lineup and you say, okay, who looks like he could play, you know, hand to glove and fit seamlessly on the Vegas Golden Knights? You know, one of those players is probably Radic Faxa, um, and they've wanted him at at, at various points too. Um, I wonder if, you know, Steve Spot, who's the assistant coach with the Dallas Stars. Um, Coach Faxa with the Kitchener Rangers, so it wasn't Pete DeBoer. I think DeBoer missed him by a year. Um, I, you know, I've heard that at various times, teams have called 
And the coaching staff has said, like, no, man, we need Radic Faxa. I, I just wonder if we're seeing Teddy Bluger because we're not seeing Radic Faxa on Vegas. But that just goes to show you the mindset, right? Like, that's, that's where Vegas is at. Like, they're looking at a play like Radic Faxa and saying, that guy works for what we do. And you can kind of you can kind of see it, and you go right up and down the lineup as well. Like right now, maybe it's just because they're winning, so it looks like everything fits right now for Vegas. But this this is a this is a wagon right now. This Vegas team. I'll go you one better on the what if scale. Are we seeing Bruce Cassidy because mm-hmm. Paul Maurice went to Florida because they wanted Maurice? Maurice was their guy. Like they wanted Maurice to coach the oh. Golden Knights. Yes. Uh-huh. That okay. is the t- I let me go Merrick, to another one. I I, okay. I, I, I know Here I know this I know this I know this inherently to be the case that they were interested in okay. Paul Maurice. And Maurice went to Florida. Let me let's okay, so we're doing the butterfly blaps uh, flaps the wings. Okay, this is fun. I love this stuff. So uh, I've mentioned this a couple of different times in a couple of places. So he, here becomes <laughs> here becomes a situation. If Andrei Svechnikov doesn't hammer Hampus Lindholm last year in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance the Boston Bruins win that series. And if that happens, Bruce Cassidy's probably still the head coach of the Boston Bruins. And dare we mm-hmm. say Jim Montgomery might be the head coach of the Vegas Could Golden be. Knights this season. Could be. I'll go, I'll go you one further. Fly flaps the wings. What oh, we got if, more? Okay, we're doing one. We're just going to one up each what, other. I'll show here. I love it. What if? What if uh, Quebec won yeah. the expansion? Uh, uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, those 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 games are all fun. What if? What if? Um, what if Eddie Johnson had accepted the uh, the Quebec Nordiques offer of uh, all three Stastny's plus first round draft picks for Mario Lemieux? Back in 1984, how different is the landscape? And do we ever see Colorado win a Stanley Cup? Da, 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 da. The, big, the biggest thing for me, and I'll probably write about this if they win, so <laughs> nobody steal the idea. But, like, oh, yeah, sure we spent the last few years legislating, or, or litig- lit- litigating, rather, litigating the concept that the Vegas Golden Knights are the most cutthroat, unfeeling team in the National Hockey League with the way that they treat their players. And... Is it possible that Eva will prevail? Is it possible that the team that we lambasted for the way they treated <laughs> Flurry and and Nate Schmidt and and all these guys that they jettisoned like heartlessly yeah. from beloved teams to make shrewd business decisions like Alex Petrangelo yeah. and others like yep. no. have ha, is that the way? You, well, in, in in a copycat league, is that what people will copycat? They'll just yeah. everybody will become Logan Roy. <laughs> behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you can make the argument, though, that we've already seen that with Tampa, whether it was Steve Eisman or whether it's Julian Brisebois. I mean, listen, go ask Ryan McDonough about that phone call two days after, uh, after the Stanley Cup. Uh, you know what? We're going to have to ask you to waive your no trade. <laughs> what? Right. Yeah, yeah you're, going, you're going to Nashville. Cap casualty. Sorry, son. Thanks for your help. What? What? How'd that work out, by the way? Uh, good for neither team. Yeah. So maybe maybe the lesson there is to be kind. <laughs> <laughs> and move someone else instead. 
Well, I mean, no, but but I mean, Vegas is. I mean, I'm sorry, Tampa is a good example, though. Of like, you, you have to be sometimes unfeeling about beloved players. I mean, like, let's face it. I mean, I you think do. they'd they would prefer to have still have Yanni Gord on that roster. But in Vegas's case, I don't know, man. Like, it, it, those those moves felt different because they felt. I don't know. They, they, they felt, popular they, they, You know, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why they you, felt you different. Are... Because they they were the making of mis. They were a product of mismanagement. Like the reason that they had to do all that stuff is because they botched their cap. In Tampa's case, they're much more meticulous about the way that they hand out contracts and do their thing. And I remember, like, you know, Vegas being so pressed up against the ceiling that the tops of their heads hurt, and then having to make these incredibly. Mm bad decisions it would seem on the surface with veteran beloved players i think that was probably the difference you know what one of the main reasons is to oh by the by the way just as an aside as you're telling that story one of my favorite lines ever is from cliff fletcher so when mm-hmm. the toronto maple leafs and the quebec nordiques were making that multi-player deal which is said with the two primaries being matt sundin and wendell clark so um, Sherwood Bass and Sherry, great guy. Like Sherry was running point for the for the Quebec Nordiques on that one, and was having a conversation with Cliff Fletcher about it. And they're going back and forth on names, and Basson brought up the name Wendell Clark, and the great line from Cliff Fletcher was, "Yeah, you know what? Um, we'll do Clark, but you have to put me in the deal too." And Basson hmm. said, "What do you mean, put you in the deal too?" He says, "Listen, you put me in the deal. Otherwise, if I'm still here, I'm getting running. I'm getting run out of town." If I trade Wendell Clark, so put me in the deal as well. I'll go uh, to the Quebec Nordiques. You know what? One of the great stories is with Vegas. It's a it's a great line What's from that? Fletcher. Fletcher was so good. Um, Sean Burke. Oh Sean yeah, Burke is one of the. Sure. You look at all the gold. You look at all the great goaltenders. That like you look at all the gold. Like, okay, Flowers gone. Um, Robin Leonard's going through his you know personal situation. Goalie injuries. You know, it wasn't that long ago that we we're all. You know, uh, wringing our hands and 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 saying prayers for the Vegas Golden Knights because the goaltending is going to undo everything. Now, if you're Jerry Johansson, agent for Aiden Hill, cha-ching, you're uh, <laughs> all of a sudden you're just waiting for the offers to come pouring in come come July first. If you're already not negotiating with the Vegas Golden Knights on an extension for your for your clients, and I think a lot of this yeah. is. Um, I think a lot of this is the work of, of, of Sean Berg. I think there are a lot of goaltending coaches that get a lot of headlines. I mean, Ian Clark certainly does. Um, but I, I really do think that very quietly here, Sean Burke has done exceptional work with the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, it, it's funny. Like, there, we're only a few years removed from him getting headlines for his work as a goaltending coach. Like, he was known as a goalie whisperer when he was with the Coyotes with some of the guys that were there. Um We'll always have a soft spot in my heart for Sean Burke, the player, because, as you know, the 88 Devils are the team that got me into hockey, and him coming off of Team Canada and going on that late-season run was the reason that they made the playoffs for the first time. But, uh, and fighting but everybody, here, Greg. Right. I know you like the way Sean Burke yeah. did the fighting, too. I know you like the way that Sean Burke There's was a lot the there. fighting. There is a truculence <laughs> to the team. Um, no, I mean, like, the, 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 all of the guys, I mean, Again, the idea that it's been a different goaltending hero almost every round for them has been insane. I mean, it, yeah. it, I was just reminiscing with somebody from the Golden Knights last night that, my God, Logan Thompson was at the All-Star game. Doesn't that feel like a century ago <laughs> that Logan Thompson was A, at the All-Star game and B, the primary goaltender for the Vegas Golden Knights? Uh, so it's been yeah. it's been a wild ride for them. And, and again, I don't think it's necessarily a repeatable template, 
for how to handle your your uh, playoff goaltending. But my God, like it's really worked for them. How about this? You just need some luck along the way. Every team will tell you that. We got lucky. We got some great performances. The, the, some of the trades and the signings really worked out. Uh, I think this is at I think it's at every level. Like I still think that you know going down. Whenever listen, whenever George McPhee's career is done, one of the great trades we're going to look back on is Chandler Stevenson, fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. And you look, and if Vegas ends up doing this, how crude? And that might have been was that might have been his last deal before uh, before Kelly McCrimmon took over as GM and he got the bump upstairs. That's a brilliant deal. That's paying yeah. off. Every single game, that Chandler-Stevenson deal is paying off for the Vegas goal. That's a great deal by George McPhee. It's fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Vegas is Anyhow, what were we talking man. about? Nah, Vegas is um, Vegas. Vegas I, 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 listen, I get the idea of, uh, you know, the ruthless pursuit of the Stanley Cup and, you know, trading all, you know, the faces of the franchise and, you know, uh, flower is in, flower is out. You know, the uh, the sword in the back, all of it, and Nate Schmidt and face of the franchise and love it and all that. Sorry, there's no more room for you here. We got to win a Stanley Cup. I get it. I understand all of it. But I, I don't, to be honest with you, I, I think we just talk about that because they traded nice guys. They traded guys that people loved. But yeah, every general manager kind of do this? Like, I know that we made a lot about, oh, man, I can't believe what they're doing to the room. Well, why? Every GM makes moves to make their teams better. I think it's just because they traded fan favorites. That's it. Like that's it, and, and I think the other part of it, the other part of it too. Like I was trying, I think I was trying to circle this before was the uh, the concept of like they traded fan favorites, but also they traded they traded fan favorites with the notion of upgrading from those fan favorites. That's the other part of it too. Like like when when the Lightning lose Yanni Gord in the expansion draft, it's not because they're like we'll just get a better Yanni Gord that costs more money. Like that yeah. wasn't the thing. When 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 Vegas loses, you know, Schmidt or or Flower or, or whoever, it's we've decided that we're gonna replace this person with another person and, and most likely it's like a, a better version of that person. So we'll see, we shall see. Who won who won our Dubis debate last week, by the way, now that it's all shaken out. I feel like I did because I was focused on like the money and stuff. Uh, the debate I, I still think was more about Dubas was trying to move a rung up the uh, the influence ladder. That it wasn't right. It was money. me say, it was me saying that like that that he should be allowed to strike while the iron's hot, and and you saying that he he like priced himself out of a gig, or or like overstepped his reach. Maybe no, we were both right. Then. No, this no the, no no. The, this was yeah. The, 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 what ultimately I think un, undid him here is. I don't think that he was going about it just trying to t- chop Shanahan down at the knees, but I think he wanted to be more on par with, uh, with right. Shanahan's position and have, have more of an A to B relationship with essentially the board um, as the, uh, as the, uh, uh, the, the decision-making process went through and you know, went through a lot of different offices before it came back to him. And I think the Dubas just right. wanted to be able to, to, to move quicker and pivot a lot faster than he was, and I think he wanted to be seen and compensated and have the same types of powers as someone like Brendan Shanahan did. Right, and once you say to A to B, you mean A, I'm going to the B as in bank because I'm going to be making as much as the team president. <laughs> um, is that what you're getting at? <laughs> I don't know that money's so much of an issue, though, at that level for these guys. Do you? There's no salary cap for these people. There's not. There's I still, ego I cap. St- I get it. Like He's not making a nickel more than me, but... I still come back to the idea that, like, you know, he, he, he did something no one had done since 2004. Um, 
he knows that there's an inherent amount of stress and strain and, and, and tenuous nature to working as an executive for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He knows that there are other options out there for him, be it Pittsburgh or be it Ottawa, to yeah. be something on, on the level of a Shanahan if, if he chose. And so, like, he had options, he had juice, he, he, he shot his shot, he flew too close to the sun. And now there's a parting of ways, and 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 that happens. It happens. Like I still I still hate this whole construct of the minute he started talking about discussions with his family was the minute they 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 didn't trust his loyalty to the organization. I really want to believe that spin. Not a chance. I just find it to be not a so, chance. So asinine. Not a chance. Um, I I I think that's something I, you can seize upon and say like, oh, maybe he has hesitation, and that's what you're going to use. But if you just want to be cold, really you look hope. at it and say. So, so, so Shanahan said, I got to talk to my family. And so we fired him. Like, I, I don't believe it's that simple. I, 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 I really I, hope I really not. Don't. But other, others have seized on that though, Merrick. And like, if that's where we're going with it, then the next time it. a free agent, Every... the next time a free agent's like, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to my family about next steps. You have to, you have to expunge him. You have to expunge him from the yep. roster as quickly as possible for his heart's not in it. In for a penny, in for a pound. If you're not in for that, if you're not in a hundred percent, that we don't have any room for you here. There's no, there's no place for you. What year is this? There's no place for you. To, like, that's asinine. I, I don't believe it for a, for a second. I hope because everybody not. consults with their family like b- before major major moves like that. I think maybe the only thing you could. I don't even think it's a fault, but if you want to point at and say maybe he shouldn't have done this, maybe he just shouldn't have said it publicly. Because mm. everybody does this before they make major moves, whether it's coaches, whether it's players, whether it's managers, anybody. Maybe yeah. Dubas is but big. It, I don't even think it's a mistake, but we'll use it for the conversation. Mistake was saying that I need to check with my family. Kyle's, Kyle's a millennial. Like, everybody's up, all up in their feelings all the time. Like, it's just how it is. See where he goes. All right, uh, Craig Honroy coming up here on the other side. Wish you have a great afternoon, great work with the uh, with the Jamie Ben presser. We'll see what happens uh, later on when the uh, when the suspension comes down. Uh, that was an all timer. Okay, uh, wish great to catch up as always. We'll talk to you in seven days. Where even if there are sweeps, we still won't be playing hockey. Exactly. And everybody out there in this great big bad world that listens to this great radio program, just remember this. Remember what your old uncle Jamie said today. Be responsible for your body. Be responsible for your stick. <laughs> Very nice, Greg. Well, PSA from Greg Wyshynski of ESPN. Uh, Conroy on the other side, new GM of the Calgary Flames. Uh, Merrick Show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network.